0: Late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or lost kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel, most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp.
1: I'm Zach and I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, I have to let everybody know that if any Terrys try to hijack this podcast, we're gonna have to fireboard those mother jammers. But hopefully, we go undisturbed, and we can discuss in our seventh episode of the fourth month of sketch comedy, Key and Peele. So, I think this is one that, you know, everybody is aware of. I know we'll have to talk about context, but I think it's, uh you know, kind of in the same vein as, at least as we started our discussion on Chappelle's show, it doesn't need too much introduction. So, I guess just to jump right into it, Key and Peele aired from 2012-2015 on Comedy Central. And... I remember when this came out, I was in my undergrad, I was working at a deli, at a grocery store across the street, and for some reason at this grocery store, at least in the deli where I worked, Key and Peele was a phenomenon. And that's really how I found out about it, because everybody there was like constantly repeating or quoting lines from the show, and I eventually just started to watch it because they were like, oh, it's Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele, and I was like, oh, the, the people from Mad TV, I remember them. And I just kind of, you know, got into it from there. And I want to say, before we get into Zach's context and feelings on Key and Peel, which is something Zach might not know, I'm actually pretty neutral on Key and Peel. There's some sketches I really love, but I, I kind of think this is more of a I, I'm more intrigued by the chemistry that Key and Peel have together than the actual a lot of the ideas they actually come up with. So this isn't one of my favorites, but it's so well known. I knew we had to discuss it. And also, since I've already referenced the terrorist sketch, the TSA sketch, that's one of my favorite sketches. We'll have to get there. But I want to throw it over to Zach now. Are you a fan of Key and Peel? I think we've only mentioned it. Have you watched Key and Peele? Uh, what's your context?
0: I was aware of it as a thing that aired on television. I tried watching it back in the early 2010s when it got the moniker of, like, the heir to the Chappelle Show Throne. Yes. I never really liked it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't even think there ever was like a sketch that really even stood out my mind in this, like where Chappelle had like Rick James and those sort of things that were kind of like ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. This never even had that for me. I know there was like, what, Ice-T Dog, where it's like, rough, rough, bitch. Yep. And that was like, oh, I remember like seeing that like once or twice, just like watching Comedy Central during that time frame. But no, that's kind of my entire background. For the record, I never got into this show back then. And based on what Rob gave me, I have no interest in ever revisiting this show, except for maybe a handful of sketches that I wrote down, much like I did for uh, White's sure. Kid You Know. But uh, yeah, this is kind of like, uh, I get why people like this, but it's just not applicable to me.
1: Okay, okay. And I think I think that's where I want to start, because you know, like I already mentioned, uh, in terms of sketch comedy, this isn't one of my go-to's. Uh, I, even though I think it is a lot of people's go-tos, you know, like I said, all these people I kind of knew in my undergrad, be it through my my university or through work or whatever, this was just, you know, you couldn't escape it. And I had no problem with it. I still don't have any problem with it. But, you know, kind of when I was going back and, and watching some episodes to pick the selection of, of five that we're going to talk about, you know, this week, I was kind of like, eh, it almost reaffirmed what I had kind of always thought that, you know, I'm more intrigued by them together i really like their performances i'm not so intrigued by their ideas like the sketch where it's just one friend sings to another about how he's helped him through his life and the other friend doesn't like it and it's like okay i guess but i'm more intrigued on the fact it's like they're doing these characters and these performances and and they work really well together and i think that's what i get from key and peel more than anything and i think i have to say zach to to get at the point about. what sketch has kind of stood out from this? Like, what has become, like, the impact? You know, like, Chappelle's show has Rick James, that type of thing. Um, I still, to this day, I see it pop up, but I, I know when it aired, it was almost unavoidable, just like the Abraham Lincoln sketch, almost. Uh, it was the East-West College Bowl sketch from Season 2, Episode 2, um, where they all have the crazy names, like, De Glystahar Dumpetshire, De Morgoon. Yes, this was Insane how many people I heard talking about this when this aired back in 2012. So I and I still see it. Like I said, I still see it today, and you know, people I know still reference it. So I think that's the one that has the most staying power. But overall, you know, I think that this this uh, show kind of captured a lot of people for the same reason I like it because of that chemistry that Key and Peele had. You know, they were on Mad TV together, then they got their own show, and I think people just loved. Being part of their conversation. And that kind of made them think what they were seeing was funny. Does that make any sense? It does. But I don't think
0: people who watch Comedy Central. Well. That's the weird thing. Again. Comedy Central has kind of gone from a place where people go to laugh. To now being a social platform. Mm, Okay. Because I know like this is just recently in the news. And by the time you're hearing this like a month from now. Like, there was like some comedian that had made some joke about, oh God, who's the rapper who died? Extensión? Did I, I say his name?
1: Nipsey Hussle? Oh, ex- ex- Nipsey Hussle? I have no idea if that's even a thing.
0: <laughs> All right. There was, okay, people, if you're listening in the audience, there was some rapper who like died and like he had like $50,000 in cash. I don't know. Maybe we can start the clip here and save the, save the trouble.
1: Is anyone still mourning XXX Tentacion? <laughs> <laughs> He's a
0: he's a rapper who uh, was murdered. He's dead now. Um,
1: he was he was shot. He was on his way to buy a car with fifty thousand dollars in cash, and somebody shot him and took the money, which is very tragic. But I think also it would be a very good Venmo commercial. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's the first thing I thought when I heard that. Like, I don't have Venmo. I should get Venmo. Comedian made a joke. And comedy... It was actually a pretty funny joke. If if we played the clip, great. If we didn't, oh well. (laughs) It was a really funny joke. And Comedy Central, like, took it down because people found it offensive.
1: Okay, okay. And this
0: is the problem with comedy is that by, like, the mid to late 2000s, Comedy Central became more about, like, a platform for The Daily Show. And, oh... We're gonna be a, a kind of like a warped version of like CNN. Mm, and really? that's when and that's what well that's what things like Key and Peel started. We're like Key and Peel, there's a lot, you know, in some sketches, no, but like with uh, what's it like Angry Black Man Obama translator? Oh we sure. have we have like the like the the, the skits that Rob Habby watch where they're at like a diner and they're trying to like out black each other. Yep. We have the black republican, like we have that we're like, oh. This feels more like – it doesn't feel like satire. It feels like topical humor that's going to dissolve in a couple of like years.
1: Yes, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Topical humor,
0: yep. Or like what you said, you can go back and watch Chappelle's show 15 years later and be like, this was revolutionary then, never mind now. You mm-hmm. look at Key and, P- and Peel now and it's like, oh, this is where Oscar award-winning Jordan Peel got like his true like firm start in show business. <laughs> And that's why it kind of feels more like almost like a footnote in their careers, more specifically Jordan Peele's. Because you feel bad. It's like, oh, Jordan Peele won an Oscar. What's Keegan-Michael Key doing?
1: The Predator. Well, yes. <laughs> but even prior
0: to that, he's doing, oh, he's doing like reverse like, mortgage commercials. Oh, that's right. It's, like, it's <laughs> like, oh, God. Like, he must feel bad when he wakes up in the morning. And no, like that's <laughs> what I mean, though. Like, that's, that's where, like, Comedy Central stopped being funny. And then, like, when, like... What's his name? John Stewart disappears, and you get like Trevor Noah. And not to get too far into this, but it's like, oh, that just becomes solely a a platform for socio political ideas.
1: Okay, okay because
0: like, that's all Comedy Central is now. South Park is solely socio political commentary. Um, you have like what a Jim Jeffries show, like the I don't know, like Republicans are stupid, which is like half the half of the programming, and that's what. And the other half of it is like Futurama reruns. Oh, of course <laughs> And that's what I mean though like, And that's where like Comedy Central was in a transition period Where it stopped being about comedy and It became more about just like How much real world commentary we can make and, yeah. and that's where some of the key Like, like Robbery stayed the, the terrorist TSA sketch on the plane That was absolutely just like I don't think I found that funny It's more in the same category as Wonder Shows in Where it's just like it's more inexplicable
1: Yes, oh, absolutely. yeah.
0: It's just like between like just how they're like performing the the dialogue, just how they're dressed, how their hairs made up, the wardrobe, like it's more just like, what the hell is going on? and I'm fascinated on that level. Yeah, yeah. So there's like another sketch, like a uh, baby force Whitaker, which I not I don't get at all, but I found <laughs> it absolutely like I was so engrossed in that. It's like go. Like, when you want to take baby the smallest as Lego.
1: Put it in my mouth.
0: <laughs> like that, like that, like, clearly that's a reference to something other than just Forrest mm-hmm. Whitaker. But like, I have no idea what's going on in that. But it's just so unnerving that I can't help but find it amusing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I, I, I think we're in complete agreement on this that that's where, that's where I think this show shines is because, yeah, there's all these sketches where, you know, it's either something I'm totally not interested in, they're making fun of a group of people that I, you know, don't, could not care less about. And then it's just kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, you're getting political commentary, X, Y, Z. But then every once in a while, to go back to our whitest kids you know analogy, there's that, that corn in the crap where you're just like, <laughs> what is this? This is great, you know? It's like the um the same thing goes for the—we're we, not talking about it today, at least it's not in our episodes, but we've discussed it before—the Gremlins 2 Writer's Room sketch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, that's that's a good performed little just joke, you know, and th- that's good. But because there's no political commentary, it's just, hey, we thought of this. It's bonkers. Let's do it. And that's, I think, what a lot of their greatest sketches really are. They're just kind of there letting their true goofiness and sense of comedy actually shine through and not trying to get off some, you know, topical message about it.
0: And like you said, I think their interactions of them, like, doing their shtick in front of the audience, I found that more engaging than most of the sketches.
1: Yeah, it's almost like... Oh, I would love to see more of that. Yeah, yeah. And then they stopped doing it for the last two seasons.
0: Yeah, it's disappointing.
1: Key and Peele, yeah, really, you know, I wanted to get that out there. We're kind of, uh, I'm glad we're on the same page, but it's uh, not our favorites. Yeah. I think everything else I really want to say gets into specific sketches to jump off of, but I, I guess I did want to mention that whole um, that switch in structure. Of course, we have to talk about structure, this fourth month of sketch comedy. But of course, as we mentioned, and if you don't know, uh, or if you've seen any of the episodes from the first three seasons, we have basically the same structure as the Chappelle show, except it's Key and Peel that come out and talk to the audience and then show off sketches. And then they changed it for seasons four and five, with the true detective themed version of their old oh, intro yeah. and then they didn't they no longer had the um the audience and the the stand up portions it was them in a car like on a really long road trip through a desert and they would talk to each other in that setting. And I I did a little bit of research. I didn't do a lot because I truly I don't care that much <laughs> about why they switched it up. Basically the information I found led this switch was to keep it interesting for them. They didn't want to like keep doing the same thing. Um, But I remember when this happened and like season four came out, people that really liked this show back that I used to live with in undergrad, like I would talk to him about Key and Peele when I had not yet seen it, like the fourth season. And they explained it to me, this whole like the changes that they made. And they were like, I hate it now. And I was like, oh, that just lends credence to my idea that everybody just liked getting on their friendship, you know? It was like yeah. they have a great friendship, and if we're watching them be good friends, it's like you're part of the gang. But then when they were very monotone just talking to each other in a car, I think people, uh, like, lost that connection. So, so I don't know. I, I think there was a lot of hate for that switch, and it, I think they just wanted to keep things interesting, and it didn't pan out for them.
0: Yeah, because I kind of saw that. Because we what we only have one episode from what season
1: five? Season five, yeah, yep.
0: And yeah, I kind of saw that. And again, it's hard not to miss the uh, True Detective cover.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's fine. It's not as engaging, but to each his own,
1: I guess. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then I guess we should jump into some sketches, right? Unless you had anything else. Nope. All right. Well, we have five episodes we watched. Season 1, episode 7 is the first one. I picked this uh, for a very specific sketch because when I was thinking about what episodes to choose and I was kind of rolling through episodes and going, eh, there's nothing really worthwhile in that one, I remembered a specific sketch that I thought, hey, if anything, it'll give us some good ideas for the restaurant. And yes, season 1, episode 7 includes, as Zach already mentioned, the soul food restaurant sketch where they are trying to out-black each other. But I guess we should go in, in order, Zach. What did you have to start with? I think uh, anything before that sketch?
0: Well, I had the, the, the restaurant sketch.
1: Okay. And yeah. not
0: because I found it funny. It's because it's like, oh, this is a perfect example of Dave Chappelle made it look easy.
1: Yes, I completely agree where, you know, it's it's like we talked about with Chappelle's show where you start with a premise and you, they just keep ramping it up, ramping it up, getting crazier and crazier. And, yeah, I agree with you. For some reason, this sketch stuck with me. Also, I don't think it's very funny. Like I said, you know, when we get to snacks tonight, you better believe we're talking about stork ankles. And what's a cellar door without gravy? That's going to work great for the restaurant. (laughs)
0: Well, that's the thing, too, is that, like, just stringing together a bunch of racial stereotypes isn't
1: funny. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. It's a list.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, you're reading a a Buzzfeed article, you know, and getting a little, a little gif or picture with every word or line. Yeah.
0: And even the punchline, like, oh, the woman at the, the, the wait, the waitress brings out like the items like the really kind of like crazed, most extreme stereotypical food items Mm -hmm. that you could get in in the deep South or two black men to eat. And it's like, oh, like, what was it? One's like, like a foot and the other one's like, like cardboard, like nailed to a plank of wood. Wherever
1: it is, yeah, I think it's and, like a he has a rusty bucket of fish wrapped in razor wire or something,
0: <laughs> something like that. And I guess that I'm like that's the punchline that they actually got it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's part of like the where key. That's kind of what they do. You know, they they like try to push it over some edge that they've built. I I can't stand the part where you know they they do the like the um the big like big end of the joke of them ordering was when Jordan Peele is like and a human foot, and then the waitress goes. What? And I'm like, I remember. I think the first time I saw this, I was like, okay, it's so obvious that she's gonna like get that, get it for him now. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the waitress isn't gonna be like, oh no, we don't have human feet. She's gonna be like, I think she says like, do you want like cornbread with that or gravy or something? And it's like, of course, that's the joke. You know? Yeah.
0: And that's the thing. It's like, oh, like, isn't this so zany? Isn't this just crazy? It's another one, like, example of that where it's like, like again, yeah, you go back to something like Chappelle's show, and you have the uh, the PSA. With the little, like the, the three kind of people high in the drive through of the Whack Arnold's, sure, and they sure. crash into the little girl. And the payoff to that joke is, if you're a little girl and you're high, don't ride your bike. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole thing of comedy is trying is, oh god, landing the joke right before your audience figures it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you said it uh, very long ago in this sketch comedy series that it's all about you know pulling the rug out from your audience before they realize it. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're exactly there. right. There's there's no rug to pull out here. Once you get the first few lines, you understand where it's going, and it goes there.
0: Yeah, they really, and that's why the things that really did resonate with me are the things that are completely out of left field.
1: Yeah, because right. it's like well,
0: yeah. I can't figure out what this premise is, <laughs> so I'm along for the ride. Yeah, and even even like Baby Force Whitaker it doesn't really it doesn't really crescendo in anything.
1: Definitely, definitely. It just
0: kind of just like peters out. It's like okay, moving on. And
1: yeah, <laughs> yep. So I, before we go on, I, I like I, I I love that we're in complete agreement about this. I kind of gather that from what you've said to me about key and peel before. Um, this is going to be a hot take for a lot of people. I went to undergrad with because <laughs> <laughs> we had a grand old time watching this together. And I'm not taking away from them. We yes, we had a great time. They may love it, but this is you know kind of neutral as I said. But as we've been talking, Zach, I wanted to tell you because I think it's one of the only things that really stood out to me when I was looking into my notes for the writers of this show. One of the writers for this show is named Ian Roberts, and he's the creator of Upright Citizens Brigade. And Upright Citizens Brigade is a comedy troupe that had their own show um, that eventually was disbanded, the show was, so they could go on to Parks and Recreation. So Amy Poehler is part of Upright oh, Citizens no. Brigade. So when you're exactly right, Zach, that's what this comedy is. It's that oh-so-zany type of stuff but they're trying to put that topical um, twist on it. And I think that's why I have such a problem with it. Because I don't, those, I don't think those two things blend together well. I, well did not, I did not know this until I did the research. I never knew that Upright Citizen Brigade was related to this. But, but now we know. I guess we should
0: say, too, this, was, this is insanely popular. Uh, Parks and Rec was insanely popular. Yeah. Sturdy Rock was insanely popular. The Office was insanely popular. Like, clearly, we're the odd men out here.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> this is just reaffirming it. You know, this just adds to the mountain of evidence we've gathered throughout our lives, right? <laughs> yeah, I can yep, say. But yep. And I, I think when I did my research, I I found that, and then I watched the episodes, and I it made me think about it in that light, and I was like, I totally see it. Like, I 100% see it. I guess my question
0: is to you, is like, which is worse? Something like this, where it's just so cookie-cutter, and you can see where it's going from a mile away. Or you get something like the whitest kids you know, where it's like, oh, it's a stinker all the way through, but at least they were attempting to do something they found funny, just, just themselves.
1: I I would have to say this is worse. I definitely prefer whitest kids you know for that, you know, almost um I don't think I said it this way in the episode, but it's like an anthropological curiosity. It's like I'm dusting off bones of their old ideas and trying to understand <laughs> what they were doing in White as Kids You Know. Where, like you said here, there, there is no way to understand uh, like 90% of these sketches. You, or you, There's nothing you need to do to understand them. They're just there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would say this is worse. Yeah,
0: because it's so just surface level. There's no layers to it. Exactly.
1: Or at exactly. least there's no layers in what, in what we watch for this recording. Sure, and I, I would say it extends to a lot of the show. Yeah. Because that's what cool. I, like, I, like I mentioned already, that's what I found. I was watching episodes and I was like, oh, no, not that one. Watch another one. Oh, no, not that one. Then I watch an episode and be like, okay, there's one sketch in here I like, so maybe this one?
0: <laughs> yeah. Because even, like, going to, like, for another part of that season one, episode seven, is, like, what the the, the black Republican, where it's, like, yes. this one guy makes a comment about something that's just slightly right-leaning and it's like, oh man, he's already like, he's a senator. All right, he's already our presidential candidate. And it's weird how something like that. we like, I get the joke because that that was something the Republicans were doing back like in the late two thousands, early two thousand tens. Anybody who was black, Hispanic, that that said anything slightly conservative was like put on a pedestal. But but funny things like again going back to Chappelle show. And not to reference Clayton Bigsby, but like again, Clayton Bigsby is still funny to this day, just because it's it's the idea of, like you said, the blind white supremacist. Yep. It's the idea of introducing race to a character where race should have no factor on their life. Yet you look at this and it's like, oh, nowadays that's not really a thing the Republican Party does anymore. And two, where we are now in the culture for someone like Key and Peele is that I would imagine if they made this exact sketch today, the black person would be like, nah, man, I'm not going to be a racist like one of them cracker cracker vote racist people. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's like, it's, that's the problem with topical humor. You live and die by the moment it was made in. Yep, Exactly. It's like watching, like, old Family Guy reruns. They have, like, Milli Vanilli, like, jokes. It's like, nobody watching this gets Milli Vanilli. Oh, that's funny. You need a history textbook to enjoy, like, the first, like, 10 years of Family Guy. And that's what I think it's kind of like with yeah, this. It's like yeah, That's why I kind of feel like this is. It's like, oh, some of this is topical in the moment. Like, even getting to the, uh, I didn't even write it down because I, I, I wanted to pull my hair out though. But, like, the announcement of all different football players with, like, silly names.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: It's like, oh, like 10, 15 years from now, will that be funny?
1: Or will that be the norm?
0: (laughs) Well, that's the thing about those. Like, oh, like we, we, I think a lot of people watch like Sunday Night Football and you have some of these names. You're like, oh my Lord, where where do they dig these names up from? And it's like after a while, it's just, it's not funny anymore. Cause like you said, it is the norm. It's like the humor, like the, the oddity humor of it all has been robbed by just the idea that like, okay, because of things like he and Peel, we accept it as par for the course.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nothing,
0: nothing Chappelle lampooned and we're not comparing him because it's like, oh, we're dealing with African American comedians. That's not the reason why we're comparing it. We're doing it because a lot of this is steeped in socio political humor of the time. Whereas Mm -hmm. one was very topical. Other ones don't live up so well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, you know, like, um, like we talked about in our Dave Chappelle's or Chappelle's show episode. That, you know, this show was pretty much set up to to mimic that. They wanted to catch that lightning in a bottle again. So it's 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 warranting that comparison.
0: Yeah, you can tell at some point back in like the early 2010s when whoever pitched Key and Peel's a series, there was at least one executive in the room at Comedy Central that said, aha, we got that Chappelle show magic yeah. again.
1: Exactly. Perfect. Yeah, uh, 100%. That happened. Definitely yeah. happened. Probably happened multiple times. It, Champagne was probably no, shared that, over it. They brought well, in the naked that- woman with the sushi on her for that idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, that's all I have to say about episode seven, at least for my notes.
1: Oh, okay. I did want to mention the um, the uh, Bobby McFerrin versus Michael Winslow, the mouth noise-off, where they're, like, fighting each other and making mouth noises oh, in the yes. dressing room. I love. I think that's one of the – it falls into the category of I love the idea, but they didn't execute it, like, as well as I would have hoped. But I do love the fact that when they're battling or fake battling, they're making sound effects for each other. Like they're doing their yes. own sound effects and each other's. So I can only imagine that this is like a nightly event. Because at the beginning of the sketch, the, the agent is like another sold out night for the kings of mouth noise. So I'm imagining they're doing something like this in their in their shared dressing room every night.
0: <laughs> yeah, like you said. I think that's the perfect way to put it. It's that execution. A- I'm sorry idea a execution like c-minus because mm-hmm. like it just it's one of those ones where again it reminds me of wise kids you know Amanda show where it's just like the bit just goes on way too long
1: yeah and I, my problem with this with the bobby mcfair and michael winslow one is because i get it i like what they're doing they're doing sound effects for each other and it's as it gets to the point where it's dragging on too long they resort to the indiana jones parody where they both have bananas and one of them swinging it around like a sword and the other just shoots them and I'm like, that's what you made me wait for. Like, I've seen that before. I've I I've seen it in my dreams. I've seen it so many times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's this weird thing about this. It's like you're telling me you have these, and like you said, it wasn't just them in a writer's room. It, it's them and a bunch of other people. And nobody could come up
1: with a better ending than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because
0: you know at one point one of them's gonna shoot the other one with it. And you know, like uh-oh, we're gonna start mim- it's gonna be oh man, he's mortally injured from an imaginary wound.
1: And it's yeah. like, come on, come <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I think the only other one I wanted to mention is I do uh, some of the lines in the um, the military recruiters that go clubbing, that sketch, some of those make me chuckle.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sketch didn't do anything for me.
1: I think that's that's one of the ones that's just short enough to be like, okay, I get it. You know, that's a, that's another interesting or intriguing concept. And But then, you know, the other stuff in here, like the Tea Party one we mentioned already, the um, the uh, what is it? The the guy takes the picture of his wife in in the morning, and she's like holds the gun to his head, and I'm like, I get it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So okay. Well, keeping uh just consecutive order, after season one episode seven, we watch season one episode eight, which is also the season finale of season one. And I know Zach wants to talk about the baby Forest Whitaker sketch, but that's the last one we get. The first sketch we get is when Obama is trying to teach Malia how to drive. And I did not think this sketch was particularly funny. I have nothing to say about it other than the fact that when I started watching this episode, I saw that people were driving, that a teenage girl was driving, and I immediately said out loud to myself, "Brakes!" <laughs> 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 so that's my note for that one. That's <laughs> your nose, it's Brakes. Yes, yes. Breaks. Break. Break.
0: <laughs> well even that sketch though like i know and jordan peele does a pretty good job a pretty good imitation of obama but like it's so obvious to it like oh like oh the cop pulls it pulls them over oh, yeah it's like treat malia just like you treat anybody else officer and obviously they get arrested because they're black Ha 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 because the police sit there profile and target african-americans Ha! Ah! exactly we haven't seen that we haven't seen that a hundred times before and then like the only thing i gotta say is they kind of rebound a little bit from that where they're at the atm he's trying to teach them how to use the atm and it's like and everyone's like oh man it's president obama it's like oh this is so cool and it's like it's taking forever and he's like okay guys don't get too excited truth like you would anybody else and I was expecting something like, oh, they did start handing him money. And then when they start yelling, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that's a little, that, that's subversion right there, because I, I I expected just, like, the glowing, oh, oh, you're just so great, Obama. And I'm like, no, like, oh, they're going to actually, like, chastise him if they would anything mm-hmm. else. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's at least, I, I don't think it's particularly funny, but at least it wasn't just like, oh, I can see it coming from a mile away. It's like, okay, 100 can, yeah. meters, 75, 50,
1: 25. I do, I do think that the, the very, like, the last note of that sketch is great because it's when, like, everybody's yelling at Obama and Malia and the Secret Service comes up and they take Obama away, but they leave Malia behind. And <laughs> she's, like, banging on the car window as it's driving away, and you hear, like, Dad! <laughs> but so like, I do like that, that they leave Malia behind, so that's, but but that's guess, it.
0: <laughs> but my question, though, is that, like, that's not funny because it plays into the sketch. It's funny because it's irreverent.
1: That sure, would be sure, sure. that
0: would be funny in any other circumstance. You take any other thing where a parent is like hastily like put into a car to drive away and forget their child. That's funny in and of itself. It has no it does not tie into the sketch at all.
1: No, definitely not. And I think that's why I enjoy it because it's it's the one thing I didn't see coming. Like you said, you know, we see the whole thing, but then it's like when she gets left behind, that's the one thing I didn't expect. So it's almost you're right, it is irreverent. I'm not denying that, but it's almost the the um I tricked myself into oh. thinking where this sketch was going to go too hard, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it really sad news like some of these things are so cookie cutter that when it just slightly veers off the track, you're like, Oh, like, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's nothing to celebrate though, but just relatively speaking, you can't help, but give it some level of acclaim. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. All right. What did you have next from season one, episode eight after Obama? Uh,
0: the, Renting, the renting
1: the house. Ah, okay, good. I'm glad you bring this up. Renting, the the renting the house sketch, this became probably the most quoted thing from Key and Peele between my roommates and I. You know, when I, like, got them to watch it, we loved this sketch specifically because of, uh, you know, Keek and Michael Key's character, the landlord, and the way he says all this stuff, and, you know, like, uh, still to this day, we will say, ain't no fang, to each other. Like... (laughs) When he dives on the floor, oh, it's so funny! But but what did, what stood out to you in this one, Zach? Why did why did this one deserve a highlight? Uh, ain't
0: no day. Well, I, again, it's for the most part a one-note sketch. Oh, it's renting an apartment in a bad neighborhood.
1: Yes, yep.
0: Uh, that's a sketch. Like that's and the only thing I thought was particularly funny was he's going through the entire thing. He opens like one of the doors and you actually see like a live like what hobo crackhead. Yeah, like yeah. one of the things. He like chases him out of there. I just found that funny. Can't tell you why I found it funny Exactly, but it, it just it tickled me the right way Which is what comedy is at the end of the day Comedy is inherently subjective um, But yeah but no it's another sketch that for the most part The wrapper around it was just way too Like okay we get it We get it it's in a bad neighborhood There's gonna be bad things that happen in the bad neighborhood Bad apartment in the bad neighborhood yeah. And it just oh my god it's like enough Like cut four minutes out of this And you have a tight sketch it might not still be funny But at least it's tight
1: I think this is this is one that is like very firmly for me in the category of I enjoy this because I love Keegan-Michael Key's performance. Like the use of his voice and stuff like that, you know, like there ain't no thing. I love when he he's screaming at the person outside the window and then he's like about to close the window. And he goes, that's my nephew, Craig. He a good kid. He smoked crack though. My nephew, Craig, he a good kid. He smoked crack though. And like that became a huge thing we quoted all the time um the the whole he says like someone was trying to no so there was some crackhead in the, a neighboring apartment that got too high and thought his pistol was his remote control so he shot like a bullet hole through the wall and then he's like but don't worry you ain't never gonna see him again ain't nobody ever gonna see him again and it's just like i love like it it strikes that chord for me just like you said with the with the squatter in the apartment like that strikes the right chord for you. Like the way he says this stuff strikes the right chord for me. I can't tell you why, but I'm I'm totally on board with it. And then of course Key and Peel are just like, okay, let's. Uh, I think I think Jordan Peel was prepping for his um Twilight Zone run when he threw in the switch that the actual renters were crackheads as well. <laughs> yeah, like he was like, but I got gotcha. you. <laughs> well,
0: even that, it's like, oh, okay, they're crackheads too. And like, best thing about it, it's a punchline, but like in name only. Yeah. Yeah. I think ain't that's no so disappointing. It's like the structure is there, it's just filled with nothing. Yeah, yeah. Ain't it's no vacuous
1: thing, structure. It ain't no thing. This show yeah. ain't no things. <laughs> all right. Okay. So anything else about that one? No. Okay. What's what do you have next?
0: Well, I think we all know where I'm going eventually, but <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, that's the end of the li- that's the end of the line
0: for this episode.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So you had nothing about the uh, the uh, black party motivators for the bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs?
0: Not really, because I know okay. there was one or two lines that were funny, where it's like, oh, we're like the first first black people that these kids ever see. And it's like, uh, and like that, again, ha ha ha, it's funny.
1: Um, I agree with you. Shelter Jewish agree. children. Yeah, there's some lines that are funny, but one on my rewatch for this, especially after you know doing all the editing of our Chappelle show episode, this one, I was definitely getting the sense that they were trying to be, you know, like, I could imagine this as a Dave Chappelle, as a Dave Chappelle sketch. It'd be a lot better, but I definitely kind of see this as, you know, something he would try to do or an, old, an earlier version of him would try to do. Like, I really got a sense that, that they were hardcore going for that Dave Chappelle, like, race, religion, relation type of thing with this sketch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it doesn't come off, it, it's almost like the execution isn't there, like we said earlier.
0: Yeah, it feels like again, they have a concept, they just
1: don't know how to execute it
0: properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has a couple of because it goes on for a while. It has a couple of good lines here or there, but for the most part, it's like,
1: eh. Yep, yep. And then and then there's the sketch where one gangster can't understand why the other killer is laughing. And that sketch is stupid, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like I've never gotten that one. And I don't like, I don't think I'm just watching that. And it's not even like you can't look away from the accident. It's like, I have no problem looking away from that sketch. Like there's nothing to it.
0: Yeah. It's thing about though. It's a one shot premise and that's it. It's like, okay. It's a one, sorry. It's a one joke premise. It's like, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a, it's a, I don't know if I'd call it a joke. It might be something else thinly veiled as a joke.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, clearly it made somebody laugh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey man, ain't nothing again. It uh, is just funny, man. And then, of course, we get to infant far or baby Forrest Whitaker. And I have to agree with you, Zach. I think you already said this is one of those things where you're just baffled by it, and it's very intriguing. I, I, I love like I already mentioned the line where he's like, "I want to play with my Legos. I'm gonna take the smallest Lego and put it in my mouth." And it's like that's great. You know, he's doing the voice. You got this weird, like animated head on top of um. Or, you know, Jordan Peele's CGI head on top of this kid's body. And he's like, I want I want milk. And he gives him the bottle and he's like, why can't I have mama's milk? It's a simple request. And so it's like all that stuff kind of, you know, is just weird to watch. And and it's good fun. I guess that's a good way to put this sketch.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm trying to get I'm trying to figure out, like, what Forrest Whitaker film are they parodying with this? Like, what that of his?
1: no idea. I I've definitely seen Forrest Whitaker in things, but not in, I think, the things that he's famous for. Like, I've seen him in Rogue One, I've seen him in Repo Man, I've probably seen him like one or two other places, and I know who he is from cultural osmosis, but other than that, I don't think I've seen anything like, what he did that movie where he was like some general or something that won a lot of awards, right? Not too long, like in 2009 or something? uh, Maybe? (laughs) Exactly, so yeah, I have no clue, Zach. I think you and I I have a similar level of knowledge on Forrest Whitaker. (laughs) Remember folks, we're the whitest kids you know yes yeah indeed so yeah i'm not sure yeah. I, I think they're definitely parroting something but no no idea what it could be all right because like i watch this and like because again, like you said the uh the crude i don't want to say crude but the very
0: jarring special fact is i think seals, oh, yeah. because just how it, it's weird like this is a weird
1: sketch and
0: it's yeah the just head so- is
1: like a little too big like they could have just oh. if they shrunk it like they could have made it look a little better, but it's like, I don't know if that's what they were going for or what, but it's, yeah, it's it definitely was. jarring.
0: I think it's an effect again, again, this wasn't Comedy Central, so they didn't have an unlimited budget. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just that right type of blend. This is the part where I think almost like a borderline Chappelle show where the the lack of budget and just the crudeness of being able to get it done works to the sketch's benefit. Okay. Sure. Because oh yeah, it,
1: yeah.
0: It kind of reminds me of like season one Chappelle, where like you have like Blackzilla. Where you know, like, none of this looks convincing, mm-hmm. but that works. Like, having a Godzilla, like, oh God, costume that's ill fitting yeah, works. Yeah. So, when Dave Chappelle punches it, it like flips backwards, like in an awkward, like, exaggerated manner. Definitely. And I think that's what works. If you are, I guess, think about it. If you're going to do Zany, you have to commit to Zany in every sense of the, the way. Mm -hmm. Every sense of the word And that's where I feel A lot of this feels like Okay, we're going to do zany But we're going to either Tamper it down with like Topical, socio-political issues Or We're just going to We're going to reel it in Just so it's applicable to everybody Yeah, Yep. Remember folks If you try to do something That appeals to everyone It eventually appeals to no one
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely just, just go in knowing that you're never going to be able to make anybody happy. Like, just deal with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the best advice that somebody can ever tell you. Just realize you're never going to make everybody happy. so Just
1: do it anyway. Cinemodity's life lessons. Oh yeah, and that reflects the downloads too. We need a we need a soundbite for the for the Cinemodity's life lessons. Like we have the goat for the breaking new ground. We need like a like a you know the more you know type of thing or something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, yeah no, Forest, I, to I feel you. Yeah, and then of course I think we we're not going to discuss it, but you mentioned it already that they do the same effect for the uh, the iced tea dog head thing. Yeah, we are jumping into season two, episode two, and I want to start this one off because I I mentioned it in the Chappelle Show discussion part of it that didn't get into our episode, but when we discussed the racist Hollywood animals. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that there is a racist animal sketch from Key and Peele. This is the one I was thinking of, where there's the racist dog at the beginning of this episode. So now you know, Zach, what I was talking about from a few weeks ago. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Does it all make sense now? Are the pieces coming together? Sure, sure. See, if you don't, if you stop putting the pieces in your mouth, you'd have them all. (laughs) No worse than usual. Okay, okay. Well, what did you have from this uh, this episode, Zach? Season two episode, Dose
0: nothing rob it is blank because i didn't like any i didn't like anything from this episode
1: oh okay well dubstep sketch we can definitely skip i did not like that at all let's, um, let's talk about dubstep music that was
0: popular like 10 years ago
1: yes yes i this is like there's a loiter squad sketch which is an adult swim sketch comedy show um with tyler the creator in it the rapper and they have a they have a dubstep-esque sketch. It's not like this, but it's basically one character has a dubstep dad. And it's their their stepdad is like a dubstep rave person. And that they do it, it's so Loiter Squad is like dumb. It's like dumb for the sake of being dumb. And they do it better than Chappelle's show in this sketch with dubstep. So yeah. Um I do have to bring up, because I'm sure I've said it to Zach before. I say it to a lot of people. This sketch has always stuck with me strictly because of the idea. I love thinking about the person who had to follow Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" speech, not just because of the actual event, but just as like a life lesson. Like you don't want to follow the person who's the best at something, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cute. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a clever premise, and yeah it, it's, yeah, it doesn't wear out. It's welcome. It's punctuated throughout the episode in a couple places. Yeah, it's solid. Didn't do anything for me personally though, but it's 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 a solid premise, and it's executed pretty well for the most part.
1: Yeah, I definitely, that one always sticks with me. That, like, you know, I learned something from Key and Peel, So thank you, Key and (laughs) (laughs) Peel. Of course, this is our episode with the East-West Collegiate Bowl. As I said to Zach, this was one I could not escape when uh, it came out back in October. So this actually came out during a monstover, Zach, uh, of 2012. Everyone was talking about this. Oh, my God. (laughs) People were repeating um, these names over and over. And I have to say that that's the only reason I am intrigued by this. I'm not even intrigued by this sketch. I'm just intrigued by some of the names. Because as we've talked about many a time, I love to repeat words and just hear sounds over and over and over. And just, you know, you get things like Xmas Jackson, Flaxen, Waxen. And it's like, that's great. That could be like a, a meditation chant, you know? Like you're just sitting there and you're like, Xmas Jackson, Flaxen, Waxen. And it's just the Glester Hardunkachud rolls off the tongue. And so I, I I get the setup. I get what they're going for, like we discussed already. But, you know, it's just that, once again, that Palolalia and Echolalia, I, which I don't think we talked about since uh, the Steve Odekirk series. But, but yeah, you know, Squice Velociraptor Meloish, Zach. The and sure. Duke Marriott. <laughs> no, oh, yes. find it funny. I could not get away. That Another reason, that this might have been like saturation in a good way, because it definitely wasn't pushed like the Abe Lincoln sketch from Whitest Kids You Know. But I had tons of people, tons of people saying these names at me over and over. And so I did want to ask you, Zach, I know we're going to get it later, but if you didn't pick it up or mention it in this episode, uh, I can't imagine you're going to mention it later on, but the Obama anger translator. So this also got very popular. I remember when this became like, you know, a recurring sketch on Key and Peel. I I never cared for it because, as I know Zach knows me, I never really cared for politics. But I think this was another one of those of, like, you know, cultural phenomenon type of things where people were latching onto it and they were waiting for the next versions. And then, you know, in later seasons they start doing the, oh, Hillary has her own anger translator. Oh, Michelle Obama has her own anger translator. And people seem to really love that idea and that sketch. But I, I never got it. I'm sure this was something you remember when it was going on when, you know— Obama was still, you know, a, a more a major political figure than he is now. But did you see that kind of same thing that people were sharing this immensely? No, because
0: like I've said numerous times in this podcast, I don't have any friends. But <laughs> uh, no, I, okay, this wasn't I like know, a Twitter wildfire or something. No. Well, I, I don't remember if it was. OK, OK. Um, back then, Twitter wasn't as highly partisan as it is now. Uh no, I, I remember seeing this. Like this was this. Uh, it was inescapable if you were if you ever went on Comedy Central or the channel anytime at all. Yes. Uh, but uh, no, like I said, it's an interesting. Pre- Again, it's interesting the idea. Like oh, it's because Obama is such a reserved, uh, uh neutral par- uh, par- mm. a political person. Mm. And it's like, well, I I never viewed him that way. Like again, I guess if you if you are a rather what's the word a political novice, you think that's that's how Obama communicated this thing. I never saw it that way. Obama, I always thought was rather articulate in his disdain for people that he disagreed with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never found this applicable. Especially also, I think in a later episode we have the Hillary Clinton one. Yep, yep. That sketch, sketch is worth bringing up. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay, that's well. worth discussing for a different reason. But uh, no, the idea of like. Everybody thought was groundbreaking that again Like Obama having like a quasi version Of like a hype man that helped uh, That was like the the angry persona b- Below I'm sorry The cool person Oh god can I get this right The angry I guess what the Inner headspace of the cool persona Yeah 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 I never saw it that way. I just never did. I, 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 okay. I am a, I am a very political person. I know how to read uh, very subtle cues when they come from politicians, especially, um, Obama-rama.
1: So, <laughs> Obama Rama. Yeah. So, Obama Rama, Obama harder. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a sequel. Uh,
0: no, it's like yeah, I, I, I get, I, I noticed why it caught on, and to okay. people who never follow politics, I can imagine being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like you said. It's a weird form of um, piggybacking off somebody else. It's just, again, it's it's like being in the club in a weird way.
1: Yeah, and and I think you 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 hit the nail on the head when you say you know for the people that weren't very political, this was kind of a a doorway into that for them, and and they latch onto it. But you know, I think that that has its own issues because. You know, I feel like that just became a wave of you know the stuff. The people who are like, oh, you know, I don't know anything about politics, but I watch John Oliver, so I'm informed. And it's like, yes, that. Yes. It's like, no, if you're going back and watching an episode of John Oliver from like six months ago to be informed, you're lying to yourself. It's just yeah. a comedy show for you at that point.
0: Well, I, I tell tell that to the producers of John Oliver and The Daily <laughs> Show and the 800 shows on Comedy Central that I try to do this shtick now.
1: Yeah, I know that. Um, that's what I'm saying. That's the problem. That's people are. You know, they don't think that way and they think it is the same thing as true informational sources. And so yeah, they're all jumping on it, you know, this kind of weird blend and they think that it's meaningful when they're not they shouldn't give that much credibility to it.
0: You can't blame people when they're sold when it's sold to them that way. If I sell No, no, definitely
1: not. No. I mean, yes, there's we could talk, I'm sure Zach and I could have a lengthy conversation about the issues of of the of not the advertisement, but just the composition of like something like the last week tonight with John Oliver. You know it, it's like brainwashing It's sold to you to tell you that you're learning something When you're absolutely not
0: Yeah and that's again that's what I was saying When we first got into this discussion Where it's like that's what's happened to comedy I think I think Rob and I have had a couple of discussions I don't know if it's been on here or if it's been on Knights of Vader But see I did like I think you can go back to every decade Since like the 50s Or even, even 40s if you wanted to And pick out like, who, like two or three Comedians who were the Comedians of that particular decade once you hit like two thousand, like seven or eight, and all the way to now, mm-hmm. you can't do that. There's there's yep. no com- there's no comedians anymore. Who you have is you have highly partisan comedians in name only, spewing just socio political talking points. Yep, and yep. that's what it is. Like, and it's,
1: I, and you know right between and it trades off. You know you get you get a piece of an actual piece of information biased or not doesn't matter you get an actual piece of information and then it's punctuated with a joke and you think oh well, not, like yeah. i laughed like it means something like it sticks with me i'm gonna remember that opinion and it's like no you're not thinking about this
0: well again this is getting way off topic from key and peel but it's it's this <laughs> thing that open. you have this thing like it's it's the john stewart effect where john stewart goes out there lectures Oh, God. More than just the audience. Mm -hmm. He lectures the culture at large about you're doing this wrong and you're destroying blank because of your actions or inaction. And then when you criticize his grandstanding, he puts his rubber nose back on and says, hey, buddy, I'm just a comedian.
1: Yeah. And it's like,
0: no, you do not get to have both ways. You don't get to lecture people because of the platform that you're on. And then when people take you seriously and counteract your points, or I guess argue with you, Mm -hmm. then put your rubber nose back on and say, sorry, buddy, I'm just a jokester. Yeah. Yeah. And that's swap your hats. Definitely. Yeah. And that's why I feel this was kind of, you know, it's maybe not directly responsible for that sort of thing. Clearly. John uh, John Stewart is
1: mm,
0: <laughs> he mm. he reaped what he sowed. Not even him. He, his industry reaped what it sowed. But this definitely fed into that because this was going on during that same time period.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, that's what uh, I, that's the sense I've gotten from it. You know, kind of. I think when I first watched it, you know, I never really I never really cared for these sketches because of the pol- political aspect. But at the you know, watching more and more of them and rewatching them throughout the years, it's just kind of like this isn't what we need. You know, we don't need opinions and bias being you know dressed up as comedy because people think that it's something more than comedy and it's just not it's just comedy yeah
0: i think there's a lot of reasons why this was going on too. a lot of it too also you could even argue is borderline propaganda um because it's always it's always pointed in one particular direction never the other yep there's an argument to be made there but uh that's neither the time nor the place for this Um, but yeah, even like going back to like that one particular sketch where it's like, I guess it was going on during the 2012 election. And you have the whole thing where like, I believe uh,
1: Mitt Romney. Yeah. It's like, like, yes,
0: you have Jordan Peele, Barack Obama go. I believe governor Romney is uh, a good and honest, a good, good. Oh God. A trustworthy and honest person. And you have Keegan-Michael Key being like, then why he put his dog on the roof that he killed his dog. It's like. Again, that's – the people who find that funny, A, have no context of where that even came from that story because that was proven to be false. Okay. And then, two, it's something that people who do have the basis for why that joke is funny only learned it from watching Jon Stewart or – oh, God, who cares? Mm-hmm. Or Colbert. Mm-hmm. Okay, Col- mm-hmm. Colbert uh, – weirdly, as it is Colbert's probably maybe more, more to blame for all this than anybody else is. Oh, yeah, with uh, the, the satire of that
1: show. Absolutely. Yes, where,
0: where people people genuinely can't – it's weird. Like, I remember when when he got chosen to do CBS – Late night everyone's like oh what's gonna happen to the persona And little did we know They just blended the personas It became <laughs> yeah. like, we're, 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 Stephen Colbert of the Colbert Report was A character mm-hmm. late night With Stephen Colbert is a real person That just merged with the With the parody entity Yeah, exactly. Yep. And that's where it is. And that's what's happening now with comedy is that, and this is kind of like, again, not the first steps of it. I think Chappelle's show is kind of the first steps of it, is that where we started, where the blending became indistinguishable, where people Mm -hmm. now probably watched 2012 Jordan Peele, Barack Obama, and said, oh, Mitt Romney killed his dog. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And And again, I don't blame. Jordan Peele and, uh, Keegan-Michael Key for that I blame stupid people for believing The sort of stuff they see on yep. TV But when that's all you see on TV And there's nothing pushing back on that idea yeah. At yep. the end of the day you can't blame people When they're literally There's just arrows pointing them in one direction all the time
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with you but yeah, no, There's a reason why I didn't like this episode So uh, yeah. I'm Unless you anything <laughs> else to say about
0: that Moving on
1: well, well, I guess the only sketch we didn't talk about was the one where the guy's like, where does my dookie go? And I have to say, Zach, if his dookie can get out of the hood, maybe we can get out of the sketch comedy fort month. So, oh, thank God. So just so just believe, thank Zach. Thank God. <laughs> no, yes. Okay, we can go on to season three, episode eight. What did you have from this one?
0: Okay. I like the two pumps football sketch.
1: Oh, okay, sure.
0: And I have written down with no context the word speech. I don't know why, but I have it written down so you can refresh my memory on that.
1: Okay, 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 I got gotcha. you. I think I got you. <laughs> but yeah, so, so t- uh, yeah, yeah. So I did want to bring up, um, b- uh, prior to those two, I'm glad you, the excessive celebration sketch is a good one. I, I wanted to mention that. But I, I wanted to tell Zach, if he was not aware, um, that in this episode we get the sketch where there's like the two people – Uh, attending Othello and it's like we get to see them during the intermissions and they're doing like the whole like, Oh, Othello is my man. And that type of thing. So that's actually a recurring sketch on this show. Every other time this happens, it'll be, you know, the two of them, but it'll be valets. Like it'll be two people working a valet standing out front of a building and it'll be downtime. Like they won't have any cars to uh, shuttle back and forth. And so they'll talk to each other and every sketch in this setting is they will like pick a movie star and they will just like go crazy over them. Like they'll, they'll, they'll like say they love them and how cool they are in certain movies. And so this sketch was specifically for Othello. I, I there's some things in here in this uh, Othello one I like, but I did want to mention to Zach that they actually do one where they start talking about Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And I, I was watching this, it, I didn't pick this episode, but when I was watching it, it stood out to me because I'm like, okay, they're doing Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course. But as they're talking about Robert Downey Jr., They somehow transition into Val Kilmer as Batman and the sketch literally ends with them saying so Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is the greatest movie in history because it has Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer in it. (laughs) You know what I'm realizing right now for the first time? What's that? Twice? It's like if there was a graph yeah. of R D Square and yeah. Valley Kilmer's yeah. careers. Yeah, yeah. R D Square would start down here, right?
0: And Valley Kilmer's would be starting right up here. And R D Square would get this trajectory going, right? And then Valley Kilmer's beyond this trajectory right and here, like this. Movies. Right? they just making, making movies. movies. Making movies. Making, making movies. movies. Getting a little crazy. Just doing a little drugs. Just getting get a little, getting little crazy. bit crazy. Making still making movies. And, and not- then
1: they meet at this point in the same movie, which is why. The best movie of all time is Kiss Kiss. Bang, bang, (sighs) Kiss, 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 bang, bang is my All
0: right. I'm not sure if it came through the recording, but I actually deflated a little because as Rob was explaining to me, explaining this bit to me, in the previews for Toy Story 4 Which Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele Voiced the characters of Ducky and Bunny and oh, I, thought, I did not know this And I thought they were great doing the voices Of that but in one of like The previews it's Ducky and Bunny I guess you say Ducky and Bunny are like carnival Like stuffed animals Okay, okay. Obviously one being a stuffed ducky The other one being a stuffed bunny And they're like oh god I have a like, little like plastic tag Through like their hands so they're, like they're always stuck together in one of the previews, and we'll insert the clip here. You're kidding me, he said that to your face? To my face. And then what happened? So I get real close, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care which cabbage patch you're from, kid. Oh. <laughs> Give me back my ViewMaster before I knock the dimples off your face. Oh!
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, okay. No, you
0: didn't. You don't even care, man. Ah, yeah. yeah, you are a I don't care bear. You know what
1: I'm mean? saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, Ducky. Yeah. You see the new movie trailer? For what? You ain't seen it? Say see what? What is it, buddy? Ducky. What? They're making another Toy Story movie. No! I thought those movies were done, dog. They made three movies. They did make three movies. This is number four. Oh! Oh, shoot! Come on! I love the Toy Story dog. Oh, toy Story is my that's, jam. That's, what, wait, what about Buzz Lightyear's stuff? I am Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger. <laughs> and then Woody's like, You are a toy! Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Woody, do the flying <laughs> thing he does. Do it, do it. Oh, do oh. it. <clears throat> to infinity and your mom. <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. That's not right. You sure? No, that's not right. I'm pretty sure that's it. No, 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 let me show you. To insanity and a blonde. What do you even That's how it goes. Saying? No, that's how it goes. To immunity and respond. To
0: indecency to infrequently and... infrequently... Hey, hey, guys, you got it all wrong. It's to infinity and beyond.
1: <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I've heard. You can't heard. go to infinity, dummies It's impossible. He don't be talking about infinity. You don't go beyond infinity. You don't know nothing about science.
0: And I realize they at, toy Pixar mm-hmm. based an entire advertisement for a multi-million-dollar film around a Key and Peele sketch.
1: Yeah, if they're, I have not seen this, but um, if if they are arguing or not arguing, but like. Some form of debating or talking about how good some celebrity character is, then yes, that is a hundred percent a reference to this valet oh, sketch.
0: Oh, yeah. I thought that was funny. Why I, I don't know I, that? I, know I that.
1: That's crazy. They it were also sense, in the, but, they were also in the movie
0: Storks together, doing like the same like shtick.
1: Oh, oh,
0: wow. Okay. It's not like, it's not exclusive them being hired for like an anime project and sure. then like having two characters like interact and do the same thing. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, I like that
1: bit. That bit was funny cinemodities crushing dreams since oh. march 2018
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh it's funny i actually i wish there was a camera on me because like, you could actually see my face like like rob's explaining like the othello thing and i'm like oh like why does this sound so familiar so i'm like oh this is the ducky and bunny thing about buzz lightyear
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I'll have to look at that. I, I never would have found that unless you told me. So yeah, I'll check it out. Well I guess I'll have to check it out when I put the clip in. Yeah. <laughs> the, the clip will be in here.
0: Oh. But I have to do say them as Ducky and Bunny in Toy Story Four, they are pretty funny. They are okay. like like they fit. Like their type of like humor fits in a world where they're not the main focal point.
1: Mmm. Okay. Okay.
0: And so I don't know. I can I after I I have only I watched Toy Story Four once like a month ago. So I have no idea how much it connects to this. I don't think so. Again, it wasn't until Rob pointed it out to me that it connects. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ducky and Bunny, they're pretty cool. Okay, I, I, right on. I, I hope we see more of Ducky and Bunny in Toy Stories 5 through Infinity and beyond. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a good – saying that, that's a, that's a good point. Like, are they just going to, like, call it, you know, eventually uh... – Because there's a Futurama joke where there's, like, Leela's playing baseball or something, or whatever it's called, Flarkball or whatever in Futurama, and her number is, like, 12.5, and they're like, you know, why do you have a decimal? And she says that all the whole numbers were taken, so, you know, good infinity joke, you can't have all the whole numbers being taken. So are they going to do something like that? Like, eventually it's just going to reach, like, Toy Story, like, you know, (laughs) 20.62.
0: After a while, no, they will do? go back to doing the uh, the subtitle thing. It'll be like Toy Story, fo- like Toy Story 48, uh, The Search for Buzz Again.
1: <laughs> the Search for Buzz Again. And we Go Back to Pizza Planet. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, then I guess we can talk about the Excessive Celebration sketch. I'm glad you bring this one up, Zach. This one is, I've always loved the idea of, but this is, I think, just knowing me and my sense of humor, I love whenever there's that, you know, messing with rules between the discrete and the continuous, you know, it's like, okay, you only get three pumps, but it's like, what's a pump? What constitutes a pump? And, and, you know, this extends to like, I think there's a a kids in a hall sketch where like someone gets pulled over for, for speeding, but the cop is like, The angle between the floor and your wheel was 36.2 degrees and the legal limit is 36.4 degrees. and, And they mess with that notion of basically saying speeding is just your foot is a little too far down on the pedal than somebody else. So I love that type of humor. And I think this sketch does it perfectly for the most part until the very end when we get a stupid dick joke. Like, that's so dumb to me. I'm like, I get it. Like, we didn't need to do that. We don't need a dick joke. So what did this one stand out to you? I like the idea
0: of it. I like the idea of it. Because it. because again, I know I remember when I went to college with Dr. Cody he was Mr. like football rules. I had to hear about like the players are only allowed like two tablespoons of peanut butter a week. If they have like anything more than that, they can be like injected from a game. And you have like like again, any sort of professional sport has this has so many inane rules that just yep. there's no way of ever policing them. So why? And then like there's a line drawn, like you said, there's a line drawn in the sand. And it's like, where is it drawn? It's, it's at the end of the day, every every line, in the sand drawn, every rule for the most part is arbitrary. And I like the idea of like, okay, two pumps, and like they're waiting for it. But after a while, it just again, it's it's that wise kids you know or Amanda show thing where it's like we get it. Like you know what'd be really funny, is like every single time, like okay, the first like bit is he does like the two pumps, okay, flag penalty then like something else happened something different not that like every single penalty is about the pump because Mm -hmm. like by the it's like like, it's the second time like oh is something different gonna happen nope no it is gonna be the exact same thing again then the third time oh oh subversion nope same exact thing again it's a come on
1: I agree with you on the third one it is the same pump thing I do have to say the second one is my favorite because of their interaction afterwards because it's like you know Keegan does two pumps and then he like waits and does a third pump, and the ref throws the flag, and you can, like, see them arguing on the field. Like, you can't hear what they're saying, but you see them arguing. And Keegan-Michael Key holds up, like, his right hand and puts two, like, two fingers up, and then he takes his left hand and puts one. So it's indicating that he's like, no, I didn't do three pumps. I did one session of two pumps, and then one session of one pump. And Jordan Peele is the ref, like, grabs Keegan-Michael Key's wrists and does the thing where he, like, bangs his hands together, and then he pops up with three fingers on one, and I'm like, that's I'm like, that's what I want more of. You know, give me that that interaction. And I wanted more of that for the third one, but then the third one is just the same thing and then a dick joke. And it's like, great. I'm so glad I sat through that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the problem. So you need more, again, it's it's not a bad joke. It's just, it's okay, it's one joke. You can't trick your audience with the same thing twice.
1: Exactly. You exactly. have to
0: con- the joke has to be constantly evolving and unfolding. So the audience is trying to keep up with it. Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. can't just keep hitting them over the head with the same. Okay, there we go. So, yeah,
1: so the last sketch in this episode is what I'm guessing your second note refers yes. to. This is the sketch where the some corporate person, CEO, maybe he has to give some speech at at some shareholders meeting, and he's invited um, a seemingly a, a gay man, a feminist woman, and a black person to listen to his speech. To see if there's anything offensive in it. And the sketch is that they're all offended by things prior to him even starting his speech. Does that jog your memory yes. enough? Oh, yeah. okay. oh yeah. okay. So, what stood out to you about this one? Other than the fact that the woman that they get is um, one of the people that was on Mad TV with them. I forget her name. I didn't look it up, but she, I think she was on Mad TV back when Key and Peel were on it, too. But wasn't even, even, we haven't gotten to it yet,
0: though, but the uh, angry Hillary Clinton translator, isn't she somebody also from, from oh, Mad yeah. TV? Oh, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, she is, and so is um, Will Sasso, who appears in the um, the pirate sketch in season five.
0: Yeah, uh, but now going back to the speech at the end, this one I didn't really find funny. I
1: mm-hmm. found
0: it oddly prescient in the sense <laughs> of, <Yes. laughs> in the sense of like, this is what we're currently going through right now in American culture, where yeah. you're. Uh, I, and also, we should point out to just getting back to actors real quick. Is that the guy who's like the, the the company head. He was the fake like Sony PlayStation VP guy for like a bunch of commercials they did in the early like two thousand tens.
1: I totally forgot about those, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, he has one yeah. of he's one of those people who's like, hey, I've seen him in every commercial at some point. He's a character actor,
0: yeah. Uh, but no, this is one of those things where it's like, oh, all these different special interest groups. You're not allowed. Like they fought, they nitpick everything and they get offended by everything, though. But as long as you're targeting anybody else but them and who they feels on the safe list, go go ahead by all means. So it's <laughs> weird. This is less of a. Th- I found this sketch like not funny at all. and found it is a weird sort of like crystal ball moment for yeah. American
1: pop culture. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how I thought of it when I watched it again. <laughs>
0: yeah, and that and that that idea of like a weirdly like oh god holding up a mirror to American pop culture, not even getting the pop culture, it's American culture is something that will play in with the angry old like Hillary Clinton translator sure, sketch sure. too. Sure. Okay. But no, that that last sketch I didn't find funny at all. I found it oddly like that was a weird thing about some of these sketches from from the episode from seasons four and five. I'm sorry, season three in this case, and Mm -hmm. then later season five, is that they started to almost, like, peer through the the fog of what, like, the first few seasons of this were, where a lot of this, like, oh, like, a cop would arrest President Obama if he wasn't president. Mm
1: -hmm. Ha ha
0: ha ha ha. This was like, oh, like, we're actually, like, drawing attention to something that happens, even if it's not funny. Sure, sure.
1: I can see what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So yeah a note more noteworthy than for or more noteworthy on a cultural level than a
1: comedic one definitely yeah absolutely well i guess then the last thing to do before we move on to our our last episode is um zach and i we are just gonna high five and say drugs you ready zach (laughs) that
0: that was that (laughs) was funny too as a concept until they ran the premise into the ground
1: exactly i completely agree yep i completely agree (laughs) Alright, just high-five and say drugs. Drugs! Drugs. Uh. (laughs) Now just high-five and say drugs. That's all there is to it. (laughs) Alright, Season 5, Episode 1. And it starts with the two football players, as it's described on Wikipedia, getting overly pumped up before a game. I think that is an understatement for this sketch. Because one of them dies at the end of it. Um... I wanted to mention this one. This one's always stood out to me as just kind of an interesting, you know, like the pro- the production quality, like or maybe not. Um, I guess the camera work is a little different from what I'm used to from sketch comedy, at least Key and Peele. And I like that it's, you know, kind of got this weird kind of, you know, almost Killville Bill vibe going on with the samurai sword. And I love that there's the one-liners they say and are to get pumped up for the game. So yeah, this I thought this sketch was good fun. The uh, the very beginning of season five, episode one, how they chose to kick off their final season.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's you can tell they had more money here, so they were able to get a little bit more creative with some of their, uh, like you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. how they filmed some of these sketches. But yeah, that was another one that just like, okay, I get it. Like yep. it's, just a good, it's just like I get, it. ha ha ha. Like when you see these football players or any sports players, they see they're trying to get themselves pumped up, and they just take it. And again, you take the idea like, okay,
1: smoke grenades, it. throwing knives, samurai swords, explosions, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and then you, the next one we it. get. Uh, the next one we get is the one Zach already mentioned. I think we have. Uh, Hillary Clinton and her anger translator Savannah. So let's get let's get cultural and political, right, Zach?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not our fault
1: though. They're the ones who brought it to the table. True that. Uh, How about that <laughs> for the Cinemoddy's motto? It's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we make it really legalese and like all the coasters say, like you know, no liability. <laughs> I like that.
0: that. That should be the motto of the restaurant.
1: Remember, remember we we're giving everybody cinema these branded branded jizzles from the whitest kids, you know,
0: of course, that was last. So week. we could
1: we could have on the jizzles. It would say have like the cinema these logo and then it would say like, you know, we are not responsible for any damage to our employees or, or any harm to our employees or something like that. No liability. Just that. Keep it keep
0: two words Two no liability.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's do it. Obama and Hillary Clinton. Okay. You, Zach. I'm sure you know okay. much more about Care much more about this sketch than I do
0: <laughs> Well it's not, it's not that it's care It's just interesting again that like you, it's funny In the media you never would have thought there was any Conflict between those two Never mind all the oh, things that sure. were said back during the 2008 election how uh, Obama Rama stole the election stole the primary Away from Hillary And uh, it's weird it's weird for a show Of this caliber and at this point had so much cultural Sway to, uh, to Bring attention to this
1: Divide. Oh. that's a good that's a good point, because you're absolutely right. When I watched this, I was kind of thinking of, you know, today's like 2019 era where I feel like that maybe not animosity, but that kind of relationship between all politicians is much more kind of clear to to my eyes and to the public eye. Uh, yeah, that's a good point that this wasn't really something expected from this kind of, you know, politically leaning outlet.
0: Yeah. And that's why, again, like Obama Rama for ever since he was brought on to the the world stage it was always veiled, never let anything get past him. And, and everybody, anything slightly about politics, knew the stain between the Obamas and the Clintons. Mm. The reason why she was Secretary of State was the fact that, was, you know, what's keep your enemies close in your oh, God, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. to yeah. like, Keep her in. And that was, and that's what it was. Where she'd go out there complaining about, again, I thought it was even fun. I, this part I did find funny it was like, it's like she'd go out there and complain about his foreign policy. And it's like, you're the one who started the foreign policy. And, <laughs> and, and that's what it was. She'd go out there and complain about like all the, the uh the things that she screwed up under his well as part of his administration. And it's like, wait, you're the one who did this. Um yeah, and just weird. The weird the fact that you have all these things, even the jokes about like they make about you because you have to have a lot of work to do because you have to fire all the interns once uh, Bill Clinton gets in here. And it's like that was that was rare. That was rare to have a, an outlet like this, especially in Comedy Central. Yeah. That was a weird one. Like that was just really out of character for them. And yes, it's in a three minute Sketch that's going to be thrown out the window in a couple of minutes, but yeah, this was just, it was it was weird. In retrospect, it was odd that something like this would be allowed out the gate. Because it would be like, we, we just don't do this. Like, like you said, if if what's her name, um, Amy Poehler was anywhere near the writers' room for this or anybody within her, would be like, no, we can't have this. Like, our goal, mm, we cannot yeah. make, we cannot paint Hillary Clinton any light less than hundred percent glowing. It's like, no, we can't have this. And that's why it was rare to have anything like this. And when do you know when that episode aired? You said what? 2015.
1: Yeah, it would be. It would have been a start of season five. I think was 2015. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure.
0: So yeah, it's okay. But it was still one of those ideas of, huh?
1: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's, it's almost unprecedented at that time.
0: Yeah. It's no. It's noteworthy not because of any sort of comedic element, but once <laughs> again for the idea of people in such a high high echelon of media kind of like tipping their cards. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay, okay. Well, if there's nothing else about the politics, we can get into the greatest sketch of key and peel, the TSA terrorism sketch. I oh, I yes. love this sketch so damn much. Um uh, oh oh, we're about to hypothetical this sketch in the clavicle. Let me just tell you that.
0: Did something happen or did I M- miss something Is hypothetical? Or? Oh, we're going to definitely drop some hypotheticals on that Terry's clavicle, because I'm talking about... Squeets, Squeeds!
1: Squeeds! So the first thing I did want to mention is this sketch has basically three performers in it. There's Key and Peel, and then there is the, the other passenger. The passenger just on this airline who's just a regular old Joe. I... I didn't look up his name, unfortunately, but this the guy, the other passenger, he's um, Lem, the scientist from Better Off Ted. Do you ever see that show, Zach, Better Off Ted? It was like one of the last shows Portia De Rossi was in before she went like full-time lesbian or whatever she does now. So, okay. Um, so uh, I, I stood out from there. He's great in that show, Better Off Ted. Um, but there's something about this sketch. I think it's the performances of Key and Peele but also the insane amount of references that they put into the dialogue, that has always stood out to me. Like, you know, probably the funniest line to come out of Key and Peel is when they say to him, he's like, can we switch seats? Why? Because that's the combat seat, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. You who, I got an
0: idea. Feel free to say no, but can we switch seats? I will not take no for an answer. Why? That's the combat seat, Jonathan Livingston Seagull.
1: Like, to put the word combat seat in a sentence with Jonathan Livingston Seagull is, it's crazy. There's a reference to Harrison Bergeron, the Kurt Vonnegut story.
0: I think what my partner's trying to say is if any terrys come up in here, we gonna get our Bergeron.
1: Oh, it's, it's so many layers, Zach. But why did it stand out to you? I know we mentioned it a little earlier, but was it truly just that sheer insanity from left field? Oh yeah, it's a nonsensical
0: aspect. Like this, this was the, This is kind of like. And I know this is not what Key and Peele is at the end of the day, but it's just that kind of just uh, Gonzo element. Just again, every element of it, from the dialogue to the makeup to just the the location of it, every aspect of the sh- sketch is just what is going on. And it's it's that wonder shows an element where it's like, what is yeah. this this isn't funny. It's like what is the punchline of this? Like what is the joke? And obviously the joke is that they all like, they all three of them get arrested because they it's like you cut the terror the quote unquote terrorists are on the plane. But no, it it does have some moments like the whole idea like box cutter, two point seven inches, <laughs> <Yeah>. perfectly legal. <laughs> then you have uh, Keegan Michael Key with the three D printed gun. It's like pile of urethane gun. Box cutter?
1: Oh, you best believe it, baby.
0: We're going to be eating like Diane Keaton, 2.36 inches, baby. Shift wax. Perfectly legal. well. Mm-hmm. And if those don't work, you know I'm working up that plan B, brother. You oh, gun? Hell yeah. 3D printer, baby. 100% polyurethane. They can't detect these mamma jammals.
1: And he licks uh, it.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, like that's again. That's where it's good. And at the, end, the cherry on top is the, the little quiz at the end. Like, what happens when a terrorist is going to sit
1: there? Oh yeah, what do you do if a terrorist comes up on your plane trying to get froggy? <laughs> and yeah. The correct answer, of course, is drax them sklounced. <laughs> We're gonna drax them sklounced. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if a terry up on this plane, he was thinking about trying to do something. We're gonna drax him up. You're gonna, you're gonna what? We're gonna Drax. and scrounged. Like this, it's everything. Beautiful. Like even like how like again, whether it be again the facial hair applied to their faces. Like everything about this is just like it's so. again, okay, it's it's Wonder Shows and esque. I think... Yeah. Much like, I there's a term, Python-esque, described humor that's derivative of Monty Python, mm-hmm. I think we have to coin a new term, wonder-shows-esque. And this is <laughs> definitely in that realm.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. It really is, like, just bonkers every every direction. Oh, and of course, when, uh, like I already mentioned, they want to switch seats with the guy, and he's like, no, I like the aisle because of the leg room. And Jordan feels like, okay, Max, leg room, get yours. <laughs> and it's just like fucking fantastic
0: okay i just i just wanted some leg room um okay max leg room you get yours meanwhile i'm gonna go hating pantinieri on some terrys especially when they get froggy
1: the whole thing because they don't call them terrorists they call them terrys these two characters and the very beginning of the sketch is he's like He's like, if these Terrys come up here today and try something like the boogie bounce, we're going to bump. We've got them covered. And he's like, do you mean terrorists? And he's like, I'm not talking about Terry Gar or no Terry Cloth. And it's like, what the hell is going on?
0: <laughs> I guess the reason why I like this, and it's so rare in comedy these days, and I think we've pointed out loud and clear at this point, that it's the idea of, oh, man, look at how crazy this thing is. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of doing something absolutely bonkers and then playing it straight.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And
0: but you can't go too far with it because I think it's well, it's applicable for anything in life, but it's probably most noteworthy being on Cinematis. This was a couple of days ago. My mother was talking to me, and she's like, "I was watching this program on on the channels on the Swim Channel, and I was absolutely like disgusted by it." And I'm like, "What the hell is the Swim Channel?" <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "What is she talking about?" And I'm like, "It's a show called like Your Face Goes to Hell." <laughs> and I'm like, are you talking about Adult swim and your pretty face Is going to hell? She goes, yeah She goes, at this one point, something was happening Where it was these fetuses, and they had Machine guns, and they were shooting people Like in the groin, and Like when we coin something, it's Wonder Shows and esque. We're not just talking about like zany for the sake of being zany. Mm -hmm. It has to be something that's, I think we've also talked about when we coined the term like surrealism, where like it has to be grounded in some like relatable premise or situation. Whereas for Wonder Shows it's in a Sesame Street parody. And in the case of Jordan Peele's terrorist sketch, it's the idea of just being on a plane with a crazy, with crazy people. Yes. Yeah. I think most not most people, but some people have had this circumstance where you're on a plane and you have somebody you don't know what to make of sitting next to you or near you. Yeah, and yeah
1: exactly
0: and that's the bedrock Of this you have crazy people sitting next To you and they go completely Off the deep end but it's played 100% straight like, like that's The thing where I do, do enjoy this sketch And I think this really is one of their more profound sketches Whereas if this was any other sketch It'd be like the end of the sketch Wouldn't be all the other passengers Like tackling them mm-hmm. it would have been All the like, It would have been like the entire plane Turning around being like yo man If you're gonna be in the, in the hot seat uh... You like that's that's what I I was expecting it's like oh it would end with everybody everybody else is in on the joke
1: oh, it's okay, perfect yeah. yeah
0: you're right and that's why this sketch is so perfect because it is so unlike everything else they've done at every layer of it oh i don't know i have to ask rob is there anything else that they've done in their in the show that's on the same level as this
1: i don't i don't think so i think there's some sketches that build up to something like this but nothing that is just purely in that realm Okay. Which is, I think, why it stands out to me so much. Like, I've re- this I I've loved this sketch, I think, ever since I saw it. And season four and five, I definitely, like, took a, a break from this show. And I, like, waited, like, years to actually watch them. But when I got to this in season five, it just stuck with me. And I think this was the first episode. Like, when I was picking Key and Peel for us for this sketch comedy fort month, I was like, this one, Definitely. If only for this terrorism sketch. (laughs) Yeah.
0: This is, this is, this is a gem of a sketch. It really is. And that it's, even like I said, I think it'd be fair to say this sketch even like transcends like the normal sketch comedy because like even Chappelle didn't really ever do anything like this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where Where you
0: get like Chappelle was always more or less grounded except for like here and there he'd do weird things. But this is just completely just, there's no really rhyme or reason to it. Exactly. It, I wonder if, like, I, I I, would imagine all of Key and Peel is on DVD. So I'd love to hear, like, a commentary track
1: for this. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> That's the combat seat, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Yes, I would love to have commentary for this because, like I mentioned, I mentioned the Kurt Vonnegut story. He says, if any Terrys come up in here, we're going to get our Bergeron. And I hate the fact that if you, like, actually – there's some Reddit posts about, like, the Key and Peel subreddit where people have, like – they have basically the transcript of everything they say in this sketch because people have latched onto it. And then they put links on the things that are references. And for Bergeron, it's a link to Tom Bergeron, the guy who hosted AFV. Like Tom Bergeron, it has nothing to do with terrorists. Like the, like... Like, Harrison Bergeron, the Kurt Vonnegut story, is about someone like breaking free of chains and hurting people. Like, it makes more sense. And I'm just always upset by this. But I haven't like gone and actually commented on that subreddit.
0: <laughs> of course, there's a Key and Peel subreddit.
1: Oh, yeah, certainly. But yeah, Harrison Bergeron, Terry Garr, Jonathan Livingston. They're on a plane too, and they're talking about Jonathan Livingston Seagull, hypothetical in the clavicle. I-, I really do like when they're talking. Like, the two dudes are Key and Peel are like, talking to each other, they're having their meeting, but their their faces are close together and the other guy can still hear them. And at the end of their meeting, he, they go, okay, on three, break, three. And then they go back to the conversation. <laughs> I'm like, the timing is perfect. So yeah, it's just, this is like, this checks all the boxes that I knew I needed to be checked. And then even more, it's great.
0: So. On three, break, three. Is there a reason, like, like Jordan Peele, is that supposed to be his hair, or is he have something he's trying to hide under that?
1: Like, I it think, looks like I think his like hair a batter's is, helmet with hair. Yeah, I, I think his hair is just supposed to be designed like a baseball cap, <laughs> or styled that's, as a baseball. Yeah, cap. that's how I've taken it. But like, yeah. the
0: facial hair, this alone is noteworthy.
1: Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, the, there's a there's a cut, there's a vertical cut in between both of his eyebrows. Like there's just a, a gap in his eyebrows. eyebrows. It's like he has four eyebrows it really is
0: is there any research on this is there any context behind like this sketch and like what they were trying to get at with it
1: I've never looked into it I think that you know with all the other neutrality I I feel towards the show I don't want it to be ruined okay but I I don't know I've never I've never done the the uh, research and anybody I've showed this to or talked about it with they they I've never gotten thrown any you know kind of errant ideas that they thought so it seems to be original
0: Not that it's original, but like, is there any sort of interpretation to it?
1: Like, is there any any insights into what that I I don't know either? And I also haven't heard anything about that. So maybe an update. Maybe now when I edit this, I'll have the motivation to do the research. (laughs) Uh, Okay. One of those. Zach's giving me homework that I'm accepting. (laughs) All right. Anything else? Anything else about this one? No, I think that's it. Do you trust me? (laughs) No. I'll take that as yes. Gun, gun. (laughs) They have a gun. (laughs) They have a weapon. (laughs) Oh yes, we're gonna dress them sklounced. (laughs) All right. Well, I think honestly, like this, like I said, I picked this episode to talk about this sketch. The other two we get are the uh, the band of pirates sing a song about um, being good to women, and I think the only thing I want to say about this song now is. After our Star Wars statistics discussion, if you don't listen to Knights of Vader, check that out from however many months ago in our time loop over here. But this is definitely benevolent sexism. <laughs> this is an example, I think, of them trying to not be sexist, but going so overboard that it is sexist. So that that was uh. fresh in my mind for this one. And like we mentioned earlier, Will Sasso shows up and he's he's great. I think he's a great performer. So it's good to see him as well. And then I think the other sketch was a white police officer thinks anything black oh, people are yeah. holding her guns, which is just like yeah, Low yeah, fruit. <laughs> yeah. It's like didn't we do that in season one, season two? Oh fuck it, do it again.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of surprising you go from the highs of the plane sketch to that, and it's like
1: really, yes, yes. Did you have anything to say about the uh, the pirates or the the police officers?
0: Uh, a lot of production value in the pirate sketch. Gotta applaud them for that.
1: Definitely. And,
0: yeah. uh, the police sketch, it's like, come on. It's like, you said 2015. It's like, haven't we moved past the, the, the joke of like all co- all white cops just go around shooting black people for no
1: reason. Exactly. And they, they even do the thing where he sees a white dude with like a whole arsenal of guns yeah. on him and he's like, move along, sir. It's not safe, but I'm glad I actually, I actually wanted to work it this way. Uh, I'm upset that this is the last sketch we're talking about because it's not that good, but it (laughs) plays directly into what I found for why this show ended, and I actually found uh, some info from Keegan-Michael Key. He was gone in an interview on record and said that they ended the show because they felt they had a good run after five seasons. And are you ready for this, Zach? This is just the theme of this, it seems. They feared repeating themselves. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's Remember, that's what the whitest kids you know said. They feared becoming derivative of themselves. And I think some other sketch comedies we have discussed said the same thing. They didn't want to repeat themselves. They felt they had a good run. But Keegan-Michael Key goes a little further, further than any of other, our other discussions here, and says – They feared repeating themselves because it would 100% be noticed by their intelligent audience. And that's a quote. Delusion takes many forms, folks. Exactly. I don't think the people who, I think there's some, some, everybody says this, right? Like everybody's like, you know, with the exception of wonder shows and where it's just like it fizzled out because the new people at MTV2 had no idea what to do with it. But everybody else, it seems like, oh, yeah, we just we had a good run. We didn't want to repeat ourselves. We we didn't want to be noticed by our smart viewers. And it's like you're just saying things to, like, satiate people. I feel like there's a, a more of a story here that we're not hearing about sketch comedy. Like maybe there's like a big slash and burn of sketch comedy in the background, you know, and they're all like, it's OK, five seasons. That's good enough. I think a lot of it too is the fact that they wanted to
0: move on to bigger and better things. Like clearly, Jordan Peele at this point was writing Get Out. Keegan Michael Key in 2015 was in like Tomorrowland.
1: Um, That's what I was, that's what I was, thought I was going to find more evidence of. And that's because that's how I've always thought about it. Cause, you know, they left and they did other things. They didn't just, you know, fall off the face of the earth like the whitest kids you know or or things like that. They're still prevalent in the pop culture realm. So I thought I was going to see more of that. But apparently, you know, Man, we we are just too smart. We're gonna notice when they repeat themselves, Zach. And <laughs> they didn't, right? Five seasons was perfect. So no, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> there's gonna—I bet you anything. There's gonna be a reunion, and it's gonna be about uh, cops shooting black people. I bet you anything. That's yeah, <laughs> or some
0: sort of racial stereotype <laughs> involving African
1: Americans. Exactly. Exactly. Oh no! Oh my God! No, they would do like an anger translator, but like a reverse anger translator for Trump. Like, they would absolutely, like, take yeah. their template and do a Trump-related thing. Oh, oh, it would be so bad. It would be so bad. Rob, don't get... Shh, shh, don't give them ideas. <laughs> didn't, like, the Twilight Zone on CBS All Access, that didn't do too well, so Jordan Peele has to figure out what the hell he's gonna do next now? Well, nobody knows. Like, CBS
0: All Access, nobody has any idea, like, what is par for that. Oh, okay. Like, I know, like, that, like, the new Twilight Zone came out in, like... It was a thing. I know, like one or two of the episodes got a claim, but that was kind of it. Was like it had like five seconds in the sun, and it was like okay, next. Oh, God, Miley sure. Cyrus is wearing a purple wig for Black Mirror.
1: That's more important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's uh, look at that for six hours till the next news breaks. Yeah, more or less.
0: Yeah, Jordan Peele. Because Jordan Peele, guy had Us that came out. yeah he started and he started being like. Uh, Oh God. Put in the same arena as people like Quentin Tarantino and like the Wachowskis for like having like to the high or God, like, or like James Cameron having two films like gross over like $150 million and both of them not being like intellectual property based.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Sure.
0: Which is why I, get, I certainly give him credit for that. But after a while, it's like, okay, it's kind of like, when do we, he both did like racial based horror films. Yeah. Like after and yes, it's not like he's not making Thor four or Star Wars episode twelve, but at the same time, you're like clearly he has his own brand.
1: Yeah, yeah, that yeah, definitely.
0: It's kind of like saying like what what Pixar originally was. You're like something's like oh, none of their films were derivative; they were all original ideas. It's like no, they're all kind of like <laughs> the same thing at the end of the day when you boil them down.
1: Yeah, there they're really all- are only like you know eight Aesop's fables that they can pull from. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah that's kind of like what it is. It clearly Jordan wheel has a wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Jordan Peele has a wheelhouse, not Jordan
0: wheel has a wheelhouse. Jordan wheel has a peel house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I guess I think in all honesty, Jordan Peele could, like after the success of get out, could have done like anything he wanted to. I know like for a while he was being courted to do the live action Akira.
1: Yep. Yeah. I heard and, that. And
0: he, and he apparently does not want to do anything with a huge budget. He's like, give me $30 million and just let me do whatever I want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I certainly respect that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And and Michael Key is selling reverse mortgages to people on the internet, and he'll, he will always be in the predator. <laughs> What's weird about his reverse? Like now that you mention it, like his reverse like mortgage ads is that like he'll. Do is that the one like,
1: where he's like a whole lot of people want to buy this house? Like that's yeah, the only thing he's he says. Okay, yeah. He's explaining like
0: some like somebody will be doing something. He'll be, he'll be like explaining it to them, which, like you said, it's kind of like a couple of these sketches where. It's him. Exp- it's kind of like the uh, angry Obama translator.
1: He should do a reverse mortgage sketch where he's like in the character of the landlord and it'll be like, ain't no fang. <laughs> do some of those lines. That'd be fun.
0: That'll definitely get some my like, grandmas and grandpas to do some reverse mortgages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, dear house. All right, Robert, we moving on to our titular topics.
1: I, I think so. The one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, another one of the writers, of course, we have the uh, the upsetting news that Ian Roberts, one of our, uh, you know, zany comedy we don't care for too much, he was involved in this. But I also found in my research that Jay Martell was a writer for this, and he wrote for Kablam. He was one of the main writers for Kablam back in the day. Oh. And so, some good, some bad. <laughs> but yes, we can jump into it. Where would you like to start, Zach? Let's start off with some good old Cinemodities nonsense. Okay, okay. Well, um, I think this was not a difficult one for me when I sat down to think about cinematities with everything we said. I think I'm gonna go with a hard no. I do not think this is cinemodity. I think it it was, you know, like we said, trying to recapture the lightning in the bottle of Dave Chappelle and Chappelle's show, putting on putting it on Comedy Central, having the political, the racial, all that stuff. And it was just a different show. It didn't capture the same light. You never can capture that same light, but they tried. So I think overall I'm going to say no for Cinemodities. It is just another sketch comedy show that I'll have in my arsenal forever. And that's it. We got a great sketch from it, but nothing really more.
0: Exactly. I'm going to mirror that sentiment. I'm going to say no to Cinemodity with the exception of the plain sketch, because that truly is a Cinemodity, (laughs) and a a blanket no to late-night movie.
1: Okay, okay. Um... Yeah, I, I was kind of on the fence with Late Night because this was something that I, I definitely know people will watch. Like, people will hear the name Key and Peele, and they'll just jump on board with it. And I was I was trying to think to myself if I would be interested in kind of showing this to some— You know, the same thing I did with Whitest Kids You Know. Like, my whole idea of the Late Night movie where was, was, yes, I want to show that to somebody, and when they say it's stupid, I want to dive into that and be like, well, why? why? Why do you think this is terrible when I think it's good? I think it could be the same thing for Key and Peele, just reversed— like, I would imagine I would show this, play late at night for someone who's like, I love Key and Peele, and then just be me like, what, what is the point of this type of thing? But uh, there's better things I can think I have those, I think I can have those type of discussions with. So I don't have to sit through Key and Peele. And honestly, those types of discussions, like any debate where the, one person's up, one person's down, or you know, one has a positive, one has a negative, any type of debate, I don't want to throw in racial or political aspects to that in late night movies. Like, late-night movies, I don't want to sit here at, like, midnight, you know, drunk and high, arguing about the politics from 2012 with somebody. Like, that's that's not what this is about. So, I think I'm with you, Zach. I'm going to firmly say no as well. All right. Snacks. Okay. So, like I said, we we're going we to have to talk about that soul food. But some of the other things I was interested in was—you're um, going to love this, Zach. I know. I know you're going to love this. So— Bar peanuts. You know, you're familiar with bar peanuts. Like, you just get some some nuts or something on the counter of a bar, so while you're sitting there drinking, you can just grab a few, eat them. Based off of the Forrest Whitaker infant sketch, or baby sketch, who since he wants to put a very small Lego in his mouth, we would have just bowls of little, like, small Lego pieces. But here's the kicker sack, this is why you're gonna love it. In the sin e <laughs> portion of the restaurant. <laughs> so the little kids, when they want to, when their parents are off doing whatever in the Vox Lux animatronic section... They can put this very small Legos in their mouth when they want to. What do you think? I like it. I dig Perfect. it. Perfect. And this, this goes, I think, hand in hand with what we just discussed on this episode. No liability. Bingo. <laughs> right on. Okay. So uh, in terms of the soul food, I just wanted to mention um, some of the, the, the things they order that really stood out to me that I think we could adapt into our um, restaurant. Of course, I already mentioned stork ankles. I don't know if you can eat stork ankles. I've never looked into that, but you can't eat a lot of the stuff on the Cinematity's restaurant menu, so go for it.
0: Why are we stopping there?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, I love the fact that one of them orders pig feet with four pounds of grits. That's a lot of grits. (laughs) Like, grits are not dense. Like, four pounds has to be like a bucket full of grits. That's a lot of grits, Zach. Do you like grits?
0: No, no. I had them like once and never again.
1: Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of grits. So when I heard four pounds, I was like, whoa, like slow down there, man. (laughs) You're offending me. Uh, Dixie cup full of lard. Can't go wrong with that. Oh, we said the rusty bucket full of fish heads wrapped in razor wire. Oh, and of course, of course. What's a cellar door without gravy, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> so I think just having some some item on the menu, maybe not separate items, but something that would be like, I don't know, I'm thinking like the Cinemodities soul food platter. And then you would basically say, you know, I was thinking of it as if you've ever been to like a burger bar or like a burger oriented restaurant, Zach, one of the things they'll do is like when you sit down, there's no menus. But there's just, like, cards that you fill out where you, like, you choose your bun, you choose your toppings, you choose what type of meat you want, your cheese. And then they just take that little card that you filled out. And I was thinking something like that. Like, at every table at the restaurant, we would have a little card and it would be like, oh, if you want the soul food platter, check off what you do or don't want. But they're all, like, the crazy nonsense things that they talk about in this sketch. So <laughs> it's, it is kind of like you get to build your own almost.
0: Build your own soul food platter?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we will make fun of customers when they order a cellar door without gravy. <laughs> Maybe we'll get we'll get those kids who are calling everybody to call this dude a because they have gravy on his cellar door.
0: Good, good.
1: <laughs> and I think the last one that I have, you might be in agreement with me, Zach. I was definitely toying around with the idea of our two characters from the terrorism sketch being walk-around characters in the restaurant.
0: Oh, good.
1: So I, I think, you know, we could just have them say some nonsense and be, like, talk about hypothetical people in the clavicle and stuff like that. And Terry Cloth, Terry Garr, them Clounced. So I think that could be fun. I, I think there might need to be a test run. We need some more experience with them. They might, like, legitimately be bad for us. We need to see how it's going to work out. <laughs> gotcha.
0: All right. First, for the cinema of these restaurants... You know, like when you go to a restaurant, and you tell like the waiter and like it's somebody in your party's birthday, and it makes everybody feel uncomfortable. The person whose birthday it is, the wait staff are having to sing happy birthday. So I figure what we're going to do to make it even more awkward, we're <laughs> going to get baby force whitaker to sing the person happy birthday when it's their birthday at the Sam Maudie's restaurant.
1: Oh, so is this in conjunction with the phosphorus grenade from Annihilation? Well, maybe. It's two different you have two different packages. You get. you can choose. Okay, what if what if when we put the person in the corner, like, before they, they like, start, or I guess, you know, uh, ignite the phosphorus, phosphorus grenade, like, the last thing they see is baby Forrest Whitaker right in front of
0: them. Well, I like to believe that, like, when it's your birthday, like, you call the waiter over, the Zach waiter, the uh, Nelson De La Rosa waiter, and you say, like, oh, it's my birthday, and we send baby Forrest Whitaker out, and he sits on your lap, he goes, happy birthday to you. Ooh, ooh, gaga. God. Yeah. <laughs> That's so he
1: he makes it even more awkward. Okay, you sold me on the fact that these should be two separate like packages. And I'm loving the fact that you like a family comes in, the waiter comes up, it's like, hey, this it's my kid's birthday. Can we do something for him? That type of thing or whatever. Or, you know, they they find out it's his birthday one way or the other, and the waiter says to the table, Do you want Forrest Whitaker or Phosphorus Grenade birthday? (laughs) And they have to choose. Forest Whitaker or phosphorus grenade? That's like going to be a card game.
0: <laughs> but the phosphorus grenade is a lot less awkward and uncomfortable.
1: Oh, definitely. That's just like
0: damaging, like pain. Yes. <laughs> and oddly enough, more people choose the phosphorus grenade.
1: Yeah, doesn't isn't it going to like? Didn't we say it's going to leave glitter in your body for like years or something? <laughs> well, I think I think you die.
0: Like, it's your last birthday ever. And then.
1: And then... You're not going to be able to have an open casket because there's going to be glitter all over your face. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's but good. No, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. I'm into you're that. You're into that.
0: Face. Yeah, that's good. Great. Good. All right, and for Sin Emonds, I think we should have like the equivalent of like a Happy Meal toy. What we do is we have a three D printer on the premises that makes you the polyurethane gun, <laughs> and the kids get that. The kid, the adults get a bump of Coke. The kids get the polyurethane
1: gun. Isn't this what they do in, like, the X-Men The Last Stand? Don't the, all the, like, the Fight Magneto, everybody has, like, plastic guns that they 3D printed? Isn't Something that where that's like from? That.
0: that was before Something 3D like, printing was in vogue, but...
1: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what, I don't know why I just thought of that, but, okay, so, so, are we giving away just the 3D printed guns, and then we're, like, upselling them on the bullets, or does it come with bullets? We haven't thought about that far yet. Okay, I'm I'm always a fan of the upsell. Like, you know, upsell. Like like, you know, here's, like, you sell somebody the video game console, but no games, so they have to pay the extra money. It's like, you know, you give somebody the gun, but not the bullets. To get the upsell.
0: Yeah. It's
1: kind of like... Late-stage like capitalism.
0: It's We're like giving children to- guns. It's like tokens at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> there,
1: there
0: you go. <laughs> I, even though it's not applicable for this discussion, I do think we should introduce the idea of... Uh, cinemonities dollars like you have to go there you have to buy you buy cinemonities currency that it's kind of like disney dollars it's only mm-hmm. good at cinematis and cinemonities
1: well so we want to like have our own little like economy like a sub economy i wasn't gonna go that far but yes well, with how, how big the restaurant is, we already have, like, our own sub-ecosystem, right? <laughs> I like
0: to believe that the Cinemani's restaurant is so big. It actually, it's kind of like the Rainforest Cafe. People hear, like, thunder, and, like, it'll start raining. Like, wow, it's so realistic. We're like, no, the, it's kind of like the space shuttle hangars. We're like, oh, it's so <laughs> tall up, and there's different, like, atmospheres in the building.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. We have,
0: we have a Doppler radar that measures the weather. It's like, <laughs> oh, we have a way. Oh, uh, uh Rainstorm heading from the west, from the southwest. <laughs>
1: Species that were previously thought to be extinct are being found <laughs> deep in the cinema of these restaurants.
0: <laughs> More or less, there's parts of the restaurant that are completely uncharted. Even the <laughs> Nelson De la Rosa waiter won't w- wait into those areas. I love it. I love it. This is just we have uncharted a- space in the cinema. This,
1: this has become the house from House of Leaves. It just <laughs> evolves as we need it to. <laughs> we have the shimmer. The
0: Shimmer's in there somewhere. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is big enough to contain the ship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's a lighthouse somewhere in the Cinemonides restaurant.
1: Oh, oh, that's see that now. Together, I don't think Zach has read the book House of Leaves, but I think I just described it. All you need to know is that there's this house and there's this door in this house, and they go into it, and it's a space that is like in, infinitely huge and it's way bigger than the house and it makes no physical sense. Like, I think that house is contained in the Cinemonides oh, restaurant. Oh my God. Like, there is an infinite void in an infinite void. <laughs>
0: we're kind of like the hermione's purse of restaurants
1: oh yep yeah. and with no liability yeah no liability <laughs> i love it i love it i think we were talking about a little while ago remember the um the waveform tattoos like what do we want somebody to scan on our bodies to get the 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 pitch of cinemodities and just be like no liability <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is
0: okay. yeah
1: listen to our podcast no liability <laughs> Uh, That's good. All right, Rob, so how are
0: we going to end this episode?
1: Well, I think uh, we have uh, Key and Peel. We have their intro music, so we should play that in reverse. But the question is, Zach, do we use the original intro music or the true detective-themed intro music? Do you have an opinion?
0: I think we should do the original.
1: Good. I'm with you. I'm with you. Absolutely. So we're going to throw that in reverse. Uh, And then I know Zach's excited. I'm excited, not for the same reason that Zach is. I'm excited because of what we're going to discuss next week. Zach's excited because it's the last episode in our fourth month of sketch comedy. So Zach is just pumped up. <laughs> Folks,
0: and we have to suffer through like it, maybe like a two to two and a half hour recording. And I'm finally done with this.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And so I, I did want to mention that we are breaking form next week. We are not going in chronological order anymore. We are also not talking about a sketch comedy show, so everybody buckle up. We're talking about one of the sketch comedy movies, and thankfully it is not movie 43. It's a much better one, so all on board, right? <laughs> We're going to get uh, some Joe Dante back. in. Joe Dante directed part of this. We're going to get Joe Dante back, Zach. Be excited. Joe Dante. Joe Dante? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no gremlins, but Joe Dante. Oh, jeez. all right well until then uh listen to all our other sketch comedy because it's going away soon (laughs) yes after
0: after the fourth month is over i'm deleting the entire series so i hope you enjoy (laughs) So you
1: can only listen to it during this these two months months (laughs) (laughs) all right well anything else zach
0: nope almost over folks just gritting my teeth it's kind of keep i keep putting myself in my happy place every single week for the last two months just keep going back to that happy
1: place all right. Well, then I guess I, I I should say to end this episode on three. Break. Three. <laughs>